0: I grew up in a regional area and the height of excitement was going to Melbourne on the train with your mates. We had a train station at the end of the main street of our little town, which was quite a rarity. I don't know if teenagers today have the same fun feelings about a long train trip, especially if there's nowhere to charge your phone. But there has been a resurgence of interest in train travel lately. Let's see what's behind that. Elias Vasanti is the transport reporter at The Guardian Australia. Elias, you recently took the train from Sydney to Melbourne. What was that journey
1: like? Thanks for having me. And um, yes, I did. I um, I think I got it in December and it's, it's a pretty long trip, mm-hmm. um, as I'm sure anyone who's ever taken it will remember. And I think the thing that uh, that puts a lot of people off is the fact that the trip from Sydney to Melbourne is actually longer than it, the drive is um but once you kind of approach it with the mind frame that a bit uh, you know it's almost a bit like an international flight where you can walk in and just unwind and disconnect i think you can actually find it a pretty fun trip mm-hmm. i um i got the evening service which leaves sydney central uh, at about eight o'clock at night, every night of the week, and I was in one of the the sitting sections, meaning I wasn't in a sleeper, but I still found it um, fairly easy to unwind. I I really liked the fact that you're able to get up and walk around, which you're not able to do when you drive, and and obviously the biggest benefit is um, you can you can doze off and you don't have to worry about finding somewhere to stop overnight.
0: Well, if you're lucky and the guy next to you isn't snoring, which was not the case for you, I'm, I'm sad to hear. I love how you describe in your Guardian article too that there are all these young people who look like they're excited to get on the Hogwarts Express. <laughs> what is going on there? Why are so many people booking out these services lately?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's we're in a really interesting time with it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the cost of flying. Obviously, throughout covid a lot of airlines had to scale back their operations and their staff as well. And if we cast our minds back to the middle of last year, there was quite a lot of chaos happening at airports during, especially during holiday periods uh, when it came to things like not having enough staff to run flights. And and airlines have um, kind of readjusted just how many flights they, they make so that way they can offer a better service. And as a result, airfares have shot up and and people are trying to, I guess, think creatively about other ways they can travel. And, and the train's a very attractive option when it comes to price. You know, the starting adult economy fare between Sydney and Melbourne is $78. Wow. And, yep. um, you know, that, that flight, that cost doesn't change whether you book it six months out or a week out. Um, that, that kind of good discount applies the whole time and, and you can get a refund and ca- if you want to cancel your trip even on the day of. So and
0: Also, you don't feel as manipulated by the pricing system as you sometimes do on the planes. I find that an a, a irritating thing. We're speaking with Elias Vizonte, who's the transport reporter at The Guardian Australia, about this... Uh, Interesting fact that these train services, even the overnight ones, long haul ones, are, are booking out lately. We also have with us Helen Woodhouse Herrick, aka Helen of Nil, the town in the Wimmera area of Western Victoria where she's
2: from. Helen, welcome. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you, Hilary. Good morning to you and listeners. And wow, what a grand subject this is.
0: Well, and I love how you are Helen of Neil. You've got like a, a you know, a kind of social media avatar as well. Tell us how excited you and your friends are, Neil, about the overland train between Melbourne and Adelaide.
2: Well, we're very excited. We've still had this service for 135 years or so. That's what how old it is. And, of course, it's run by Journey Beyond now from Adelaide. And um, we've had this train service going backwards and forwards, and it just goes choo-choo-choo-choo-choo. You know, it's not a fast train. It's a lovely, casual train, like Liza's saying about the Sydney to Melbourne. It's just uh, quite slow uh, uh, for us. But, look... You know, really, Hillary. we go back years and years. When I went to boarding school with this train at 3 a.m. in the morning, we do need an extra service on this train. It's just not good enough the way it is at the moment because there's only two services. And if I can go on, for example, Adelaide to Melbourne, that's fine going through uh, and arrives in Melbourne about 7 o'clock at night. But then next morning, you've got to come back.
0: Or, or otherwise you've got to wait a few days and pay for your accommodation. Yes, you
2: do. And pensioners and uh, disabled people and so forth they, and elderly, they can't afford to stay four or five nights in a city hotel to catch the next uh, train back on the Friday. Well, there's so, that tricky you know, thing,
0: isn't it, Helen, where you are, where there's different gauges of rail lines. So you can catch the overland from nil. You can't catch the normal train to Melbourne from nil. You can catch it from nearby. Is that Does that complicate the picture when it comes to lobbying for better services?
2: Yes, it does, because it's just um, uh, a lot of medical appointments for our elderly here up in the bush go to Ballarat or Horsham. Now, this train goes to North Shore, which is fine because it's feeding off the um, the spirit of Tasmania at North Shore, which is great. For the pa- passengers on Indian Pacific and Great Southern, all of that, it links up. But the thing is, um, if only we could have the timetable fixed. The timetable is the problem because it, it used to be every night, one train coming to Adelaide, another one going through to Melbourne. It was going so, uh,
0: full on. Though, and Helen, I love how lovely. apparently you've got the number of the conductors, so you just get him to send you a cheeky text when it's on its way. <laughs>
2: How do you know that one? Oh, the ABC <laughs> has
0: its ways. Helen Woodhouse Herrick, yeah. aka <laughs> Helen O'Neill. We're talking today on Life Matters about this resurgence of interest in train travel. And as you've been hearing from Helen, obviously for some people it never went away. Text message from Mark I did the Trans Siberian trip 15 years ago and it's just amazing. It takes three days. Though judging by our Facebook page, your experience depends very much on the kind of train. Another text says the train service between Sydney and Melbourne is where the French train network was in the 70s. It's slow, the food is atrocious and the coffee is undrinkable. Don't use it, is that uh, assessment. Uh, Elias Visante from The Guardian, a lot of train travel options were disrupted during the pandemic restrictions, but in general, how is train travel faring in Australia these days? Progressing, regressing, remaining static?
1: Well, I think when it comes to, you know, the, the regional and intercity, interstate trains that we're talking about, it's going through, a, as we've talked about, a huge um, uptick in demand. Um, but I think, as Helen points out, um, that demand can only go so far when the services aren't there. I, I, as I was talking about earlier, the Sydney to Melbourne train has a, you know, for all its problems, it's actually got a great timetable in that it leaves... There's two services every day of the week. One leaves in the morning, one leaves in the evening. Mm. If you get on at night in Sydney, you can wake up in Melbourne at 7am and vice versa um, as it makes its regional stops. Obviously, that's not, uh, they don't always suit people, you know, boarding at midnight in Wagga, but um, the the frequency is there. And as a result, I, I was talking to the, Transport for New South Wales, who run that Sydney and Melbourne line, and you know, demand has, I think it's it's more than doubled in recent months, and it's you know well above pre-COVID travel rates on on the Sydney and Melbourne line. Interesting. And uh, you know, I a part of me thinks that there a lot of people are discovering that, you know, especially something through COVID, we've realised we can't have everything at our fingertips instantly, and when you consider going to the airport, having to, to travel there, the time that takes, then the cost of getting that transfer on both legs. And, you know, once they remember the hideous delays or lost bags they probably had last year, I think that's really making people reconsider, hey, maybe 10 hours and 50 minutes, look, it's not great, but it's also, it could be a chance to unwind. And 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 as I said, yeah, it's almost like they need to be running more services. Which is not Ooh. something they can do at the Ooh. click of a finger, but mm. um, in at least on the Sydney and Melbourne train, it's so booked out that they're having to add extra, ca- you know, as many carriages that carriages as they can to the services just to keep up. That's really
0: interesting. There's quite a few people commenting on the price of the longer haul trips like the Ghan, for example in the Indian Pacific on our Facebook page. That's an issue for a lot of people. But this fascinating text, I I said earlier, I don't know how excited young people are about uh, some of these long haul train trips, especially the ones where there's no charging ports. I got this text in response and and yay to you for um, giving me a little slap on the wrist here. On behalf of all the other young people I know, we love trains. Gap year adventures to Japan and Europe have blown our minds on the one slower journeys, beautiful vistas and higher accessibility that rail travel has to offer. Governments should invest now, especially when the future looks like heavy polluting short haul flights will only get more expensive. Just quickly, Elias Vasanté, uh, the federal government did announce a new high speed rail authority in December this last year. Is that a sign that maybe they are turning their investment focus towards rail a bit more?
1: Well, I think it depends who you ask. Anthony Albanese is definitely a bit of a train nerd, and a lot of people are excited about the the current science. So they've invested in starting up a high-speed rail authority. they've talked about how um, getting a high-speed line between Sydney and Newcastle will be their first priority. but there is a chance that this could end up just like all the other plans for high-speed rail have in the past um, until we actually see, you know, a shovel in the ground. I think most observers of trains will kind of still have that scepticism.
0: Yep. I love Anne has just listed on our Facebook page what she likes about train travel, food cart walk around, showers even in economy, tickety-tick, tickety-tick, slight rocking motion. And those are lovely things about train travel. Uh, And, uh, sorry, Helen, uh, you um, have taken a few long-haul trips on trains. What are your highlights so far?
2: Yes, I have. I've done the Indian Pacific, the the Great Southern. Um, Tell us where the Great Southern goes. I don't know that one. Well, I'll t- oh, tell you a secret, Hilary. Mm. I did it on my 70th birthday oh, two years ago. Three years ago now, my goodness. And uh, we went from Adelaide right round to through up to Brisbane and uh, it stopped off at the Halls Gap. Um, and we did it actually on my day of my birthday, which was lovely. <laughs> but anyway, oh. but all of this is lovely, and if you can, I always say to the elderly people, please, save. If you can't afford it, save up for the platinum because you don't have to climb up into bunks. Like I think, we're, and we are 70, we're, we're finished with bunks and all that sort of thing, you mm-hmm. know, rough but if you can, do it. Because I know there's a lot of disappointed people that realise that they think, oh, gold is first class. Well, it's not. And But platinum, you do get one level of bed and it changes down into a couch lounge room style and it's more comfortable. But that's... Um, that's what we did and we also did the began and we did the indian pacific but we did the indian from sydney to adelaide and then another trip adelaide to perth and then we caught the Fremantle. we came back on the queen elizabeth to adelaide so that was all very nice but i do believe that you know country areas especially us up here in the wild west of victoria we do need train services and we need that link between each town. What I mean, it doesn't stop at Ballarat, Bendigo, Geelong. There's more up here further up. Look at Mildura, the poor devils. They haven't even got a train. That was stopped. And they've got the magnificent station there to greet everybody. And I, I just believe that up here in the west, we need it. We just need the train travel to link up. And especially elderly who can't climb up into a coach to Get to their appointments and sit for six hours or so, they can't do that, whereas the train is very comfortable. And if I may add to Hillary, just quickly, I'm Helen, because we are coming up yes, to the I news. Will. A small train, Ararat to Nil and back again daily would be wonderful. We used to have the peanut many years ago and that's serviced us all. But, you know, we must have train service up here in the west, in the Wimmer and the Mallee. Well,
0: and and Helen, continue a lot on of,
1: over the border.
0: A lot of people agree with you. If our text line's anything to go by, Helen Woodhouse-Herrick, a.k.a. Helen of Nil, you can find her online, a rail campaigner. Elias Vizontae, transport reporter at The Guardian Australia. Thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thanks for having me. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.